Whoa, friends, I have to share this with you. Uh, any of you travel on airplanes? Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Yeah, so Melissa Koenig, writing for the New York Post, uh, talks about a senior Boeing manager who has uh, issued a warning saying that passengers ought to avoid the 737 MAX jets. Several, by the way, managers of engineers have issued over the past several months warnings to flyers to avoid Boeing's troubled uh, 737 MAX 9 jet. Uh, There's also a MAX 8 jet that's part of the family that has some concerns. Ed Pearson, a one-time senior Boeing manager, said, quote, I would absolutely not fly a MAX plane. I've worked in the factory where they were built. I saw the pressure employees were under to rush the planes out of the door. And I just wouldn't fly on it. Not interested. No thanks. Joe Jacobson, a former Boeing engineer, also worked at the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, gave a similar warning in the wake of that door blowing off mid-flight the Alaska Airlines MAX 737 jet. Yeah, He said it was premature for airlines, including Alaska, to have resumed flying the jets. Quote, I would tell my family to avoid the max. Now, here's this. The the original story appeared in the Times, L.A. Times. And the the, the gist of it, as best as I could say, uh, tell here for you, is it's all about the company maximizing profit over safety. And I think this is the, and we're in the throes of a conflict between what's really going on at Boeing. It used to be when I was a kid, Boeing airplanes were absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt the best thing you could fly on. Pilots would often say there was an expression, if it's not Boeing, I'm not going. Those of you who are a little bit older may remember that expression. And it just, it you know, people, I knew people that worked in a Boeing factory because Used to be a lot more manufacturing in California, where I was, where I grew up. But I, uh, people would flat out tell me, "You look at an Airbus, you look at a Boeing. There are, you know, there are a third more screws and bolts and nuts in a in a Boeing than there are in an Airbus. We we just we make planes differently than they do." I heard that from a number of people who had uh, been on the assembly line over the years at, at, at Boeing, it just felt very pro, you know, proud of their product and, and felt it was a superior product to Airbus. And you know that's just no longer the case. Now, I'll point out to you, and I've, I brought this up because, of course, there have been a number of articles that have come out in the last week or so. For example, Yahoo. When did they run this? This was over the weekend on Sunday. How right-wing influencers turned airplanes and airports into culture war battlegrounds. This caught my eye. Producer Robbie forwarded this to me, and I've had it in my you know stack of stuff. Here we are. It's Wednesday, and I'm just getting to it now. In you know, in light of this article that has come out uh, describing what's been going on over at Boeing, I 
Okay, so yeah, so safety's out. The uh, the premise of the article, undisputed premise, is that safety's compromised. The question is why, right? Because you know, airline industry is boom and bust. Airline industry has um, has always you know suffered from moments of intense pressure, right? If you don't get the airplane out, you don't make a profit. If you don't make a profit, you, you know, you're, you're not paying the bills and and things go and stock price goes in the toilet and um, and all all hell breaks loose. So I, I'm I don't know I'm I, I think at a time like now when air, you know airlines are expanding and are buying airplanes I why why is it stressful now? Now I'm pulling back out right so they'll they, and they want to say that by the way this piece in Yahoo is you know, the premise of it is that 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 it's you know it's right wing people that are making a lot to do about nothing at the airlines. They're you know that the claims that DEI is behind a deterioration in quality is is all a bunch of bunk. Now remember I shared this with you. I have it here in front of me. I've kept holding on to this. This is from a proxy statement from Boeing. Annual incentive plans for management. And it was a difference between 2021 and 2022. From 2021, there was no DEI in the overall uh, incentive annual incentive plan. You had factors like total company performance, business unit performance, product safety, employee safety, quality. In 2022, all of a sudden, it's no longer just product safety, employee safety, quality. It's product safety, employee safety, quality, climate, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So now that is being factored into operational performance. Now, you and I know we're common sense people. We understand that diversity does not help you achieve anything when it comes to doors staying on airplanes. There is no universe that exists where having a more diverse workforce uh, or more woke workforce is going to help create a safer product when you're making you know, assembling jetliners that then fly at 30, 40,000 feet, pressurized and have hundreds of lives in them. It, it just, this, this does not matter. And we know that. But why are they putting this in there? They're putting this in there because their investors, their institutional investors are demanding it because this agenda has creeped into every facet of life in America. And by the way, the bonuses went up, so pay went up. The, the payout range, 0 to 200%, was up from 0 to 165% the year before. They're actually paying people more money at Boeing for this garbage. What about assembling airplanes and having them not be recalled? What about that as a factor in management bonuses? And the thing is, it's not just Boeing. I hate to pick just only, you know, but Boeing is, FAA is a problem. One of the things that's come out this week is that there was an email that was released that was sent around to applicants to the FAA that were persons of color. And they were told uh, to put in a, we'll call it for lack of a better word, buzzwords or cheat codes into their resumes, to withdraw their resumes, 
send them back in, but with certain language that would flag them, okay, and get people ahead of the line of other applicants. This really happened. And the FAA, you know, by the way, I mean, this, this, this scandal's been developing for a while, but uh, the FAA has lost, lost documents on this. I mean, it's, it, it's a ginormous mess, and I think they're playing hide the ball with it, right? The, and yeah, this started, by the way, this hiring scandal started all the way back in 2015. That's right. All the way back in 2015. And then in 2016, they lost the emails and they said, well, we don't really have it. They got asked by the media. There were some lawsuits. Yeah, and Congress was called in. Absolutely. Now, I'm, we're going to have a major competence crisis in this country. Now, competence, if it's someone, you know, baking a croissant or if it's somebody cleaning a hotel room or, you know, uh, you know, wa- you know, washing a-, a car. I mean, I understand those are all important jobs, but it's not the same thing as traveling, hurtling through space at hundreds of miles an hour up in the sky. You know, and 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 having these things come apart. So I, I again, I think this is a th- this story. Uh, it's going to take a major catastrophe or event to make people. Uh, more aware of this, so I'm 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 going to follow it. We're going to keep our eyes on it. Uh, and by the way, uh, I, I I think you know I, I get on an airplane now when I travel, and I you know if I look in the cockpit, and for the most part I, I fly mostly on Southwest. I look in the cockpit and I see you know I see some boomer white guy pilots. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I never thought about it before all of this. Before DEI came around, I I just was absolutely agnostic as to who was in the, in the cockpit. But, you know, I, I, I see a guy who looks like he, you know, spent a few years in the Air Force, and I go, yep, I feel good about today's flight. And as I've said many, many, many times, and I'm going to say it again, you can take the most woke, left-wing person and send them to the airport, tell them, you know, there's two planes, they're flying to an identical destination that you need to be at. They both leave at the same time. Plane number one, Everyone is DEI. Plane number two, it's the best person for each job, from the pilot to the co-pilot to the flight attendants. You pick. Which airplane do you want to get on? Well, I tell you, I, even those wokesters are going to pick the airplane that has the most qualified people flying it because they admit and they'll, they know this in their core that when it comes to their lives, competency matters. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Making radio great again. Sam Rajovsky here. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Jim, a listener here, emailed me. Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com is my email. And sent me a Babylon B article. Speaking of the DEI problem in the cockpit, 
you know, as I was mentioning last segment, uh, both Airlines United in particular leading the charge with having, a, you know, trying to encourage as many minority hires as possible. And, uh, and yes, and, and of course, learning that Boeing now, people coming forward saying that there are huge deterioration in quality uh, construction in the airplanes as they're rolling off the assembly line and I'm pointing to all the DEI stuff that started three years ago, coincidentally. Anyway, Jim sent over this. Airlines offering $100 upgrade where you're guaranteed an old male pilot named Steve. Babylon B for the win, folks. Fabulous, uh, fabulous stuff. Um, yes, 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 I know, I know. But this is the thing, right? How does... Okay, if you're, if you're Boeing, you're producing airplanes, the purpose of which is to get people from point A to point B, how is DEI a relevant factor for a management bonus? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's not. And look, the counterpoints, right? The counterpoints to all of this, and they were in that Yahoo piece, are that the competence crisis is deeper, right, than just you know, negligently irresponsible DEI hiring quotas, right? The bigger problem in aircraft manufacturing maintenance is a fundamental lack of competence. Like trades are dying out, right? Every stupid kid is going to college. And we've had this conversation here on this program. I know it because I've, I've shared this with you that, you know, certainly when I was a kid, when I was growing up in the, 80s and in high school in the 90s and both my parents are PhDs so there was no question that I would go to college and something has changed and many of you who are parents will sympathize with what I'm saying here I've told my son you know yeah college right college is great but you know if you could learn how to if you could pick up a trade if you learn how to be an electrician, if you learn how to be a plumber, if you if you develop a technical skill, you'll you'll far more likely be able to provide well for yourself and your family than if you if you have a, a you know a, a just a college degree and and not much else. High schools don't teach anything. Remember remember when you have you know metal shop. You know, remember auto shop. It, you know, it's the the end of that started in my era in school because the auto shop kids, uh, Robbie, you and I went to high school together, right? So you know, the auto shop kids, what? They were kind of, they were the losers, right? And and if, you know, I was in all the AP classes and the the honors honors classes, college bound, you know, high end college bound classes. And we looked down, I'll admit this, we, candidly, we looked down on the auto shop kids. Well, guess what? You know, I, I did okay in life, but I know a lot of my classmates, some of whom did frankly much better in school than I did, uh, are struggling in life. And I, I'm convinced if you were to go back and trace some of those kids who got their hands dirty in high school and learned how to change oil in a car, you know, replace a radiator, whatever they did over there. Um, those are people who have actual skills. And guess what? When AI starts taking over law, for example, and I say this as a lawyer, when AI starts taking, you know, over, I mean, when AI starts to do DEI better than, you know, 
any of these DEI hires. All this is, you know, the guy that can fix a faucet is, he's got it made because it's going to be a while before a robot can do that. So my conversation with my son, and I'm telling you because, you know, we, we get this opportunity to talk, uh, you know, all, the, you know, this entire idea of diversity is so absurd because we, our focus is distracted from, from what really matters, which is preparing every young American to have skills that not only advance him or herself, but also our society. We are losing otherwise talented, smart men, and I would say even some girls who are, you know, who are, you know, who haven't gone into these trades, who haven't become mechanics, who aren't becoming skilled skilled workers. And this college is the only way to get a good job. This is this is not true anymore. And I think in part, this it's, it's almost propaganda that's fueled by the, the system itself. Because the only person, and the only, the only people that truly benefit from college generally now are the universities themselves. And you can see based on their profligate spending, you know, what, you know, what that's all about. It's not about the students. What's the, what is the, uh, I'm not talking about instructors. I don't want to talk about that. No, I, the, just the ratio of, of administ administrators, right, staff to students at some of these schools. Robbie, we had that statistic recently, didn't we? Looked at it. These Ivy League schools, I mean, it's two to one in some cases, maybe even higher. The, the bloat of administration, and that's why they, in part, why they like DEI and all this stuff, because it, it gives them more to do, and these are all you know, well-paid jobs. And it's a self-perpetuated heist on talent of our country. So, you know, the, the, truth, the truth is, yeah, the criticism of saying it's just DEI. No, DEI is a problem. Hiring people simply because, well, preferring a candidate for a job because of their race, I, I, I know is illegal, and I also think it's deeply unethical and wrong. But I also know that if there are 10 spots of open, right, or whatever, 100 positions open, and you're hiring for those jobs, I, I want to see them go to the 100 best applicants. I don't want to give preference to someone based on the color of their skin or another immutable characteristic that has nothing to do with their ability to execute on that job uh, effectively and competently. So this is, these are all, look, I mean, these are all, but, but certainly, right? Certainly universities are, you know, this, everyone has to go to college. So the takeaway here is, you know, if you've got a young person at home and they're looking at what do I do when I grow up? I mean, a, a trade is, is you know, I, I think tradesmen are going to be in high demand. And I can tell you this again, having gone to law school and seen a number of lawyers out there uh, the average wage for a lawyer uh, in most places in, the, in this country is is actually less than a tradesman because now, uh, you know, there are so few plumbers and so few electricians they are getting paid, you know, real decent money. 
Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. The What's Right Show will continue in just a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Common Sense Conservatism, served daily, 1 to 3 p.m. here on News Talk 840, KXNT, the What's Right Show is on. I, Sam Rajovsky, your host, grateful to be with you here. Uh, email sam at samandashlaw.com, sam at samandashlaw.com. So let's see here, uh, Little John, Charles Little John, who is he? He's the former contractor for the IRS who was uh, responsible for leaking Donald Trump's uh, tax returns and tax returns of some other notable Americans. Uh, he pled guilty in October and was sentenced to five years in prison a couple days ago. Five years in prison. You know, remember uh, Trump you know, fought for quite a long time to prevent the release of his tax returns, and some guy comes along and just decides on his own that he's going to release them. You know, well, he, he, he pleads guilty to the release of, of controlled documents. I understand that, but, you know, this was the other way around. If a Republican operative had released, I don't know, tax returns of, say, uh, Joe Biden at a time when Joe Biden didn't want his tax returns out and perhaps caused some sway in the election, uh, they'd be charged with election interference. Think of all of the people, some of whom weren't even there on January 6th that ended up with 18, 20, 22-year-long prison terms. Oh, Big O, the guy who put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi, put his feet up, not even on Nancy Pelosi's desk, but literally on her secretary's desk. He got f almost five years in prison, 4.6 years in prison. Um, so yeah, so this just, I'm just giving you a little bit of perspective. Some of this stuff really just boggles the mind. Yes, yes. Oh, I, I'm not really, I saw the video last night. I did. Yeah, Robbie, you're asking me. I, I did. I saw the disturbed uh, man in Pennsylvania who had uh, attacked and killed his father and had uh, decapitated him. Now, this, the, to me, listen, the interesting part of the story is that the, the horrific video, the horrific video was, um, was allowed to stay up on YouTube for over six hours. That's the story, right? It's, okay, because this guy, the 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 kid, uh, the uh, kid, he's thirty, right? Kills his dad. His name is Justin Moan. Justin Moan is a is a schizophrenic nut job. He is seems to be, I guess, uh, nominally conservative. People are trying to link him to the MAGA movement. Uh, I saw one of his posts where he uh, calls uh, Donald Trump uh, the, the B word. Uh, I don't think he really likes Donald Trump, okay? 
But he he declared himself president. Okay, so 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 this is not a well person. All right, so the guy does this to his father, and the video. Do you know how quickly YouTube takes stuff down? I mean, if you, I mean, YouTube. <laughs> let me tell you, if in 2021 you put up a video on YouTube saying that the vaccine was not effective at stopping or preventing COVID. Your YouTube video would be down in minutes. And this guy has literally on video his father's head in a plastic bag and 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 YouTube leaves it up. Can I tell you my thoughts on this real fast? See, because I think I see that and I think that YouTube wanted it to stay up. It's part of the it's part of the narrative. It fits the narrative so they want to promote it. And what's the narrative? that MAGA people are dangerous, they're unstable. Because he says in the video that he's, you know, he's opposed to the, to the federal government and his dad, you know, was a, was a however many year, 30 year employee of the federal government and that this, he's getting his, he's a traitor to his country. And I think, I, I think that I strongly believe that YouTube, Google deliberately wanted to have that up for long enough for it to be seen by as many people as possible, for the images to be captured and for them to be used later. And the, the very specific use is to continue the narrative that these militias, of you know, MAGA militias and all these radical MAGA people have to be stopped. And I, you know, and by the way, I, I, I have no doubt leading up to the election, this will be a dominant narrative the mainstream media will go on and on and on about it. So, yeah, there's a, by the way, there's an act uh, presently being discussed in Congress, the Preventing Private uh, Paramilitary Activity, Activity Act of 2024. And Democrats propose this. This is, a, this is, this is targeting all those militia guys that hang out in the woods and fire guns. I, I, it's deeply unconstitutional as written, okay? So it's not going to get it, going to get very far, but... I'm more interested. I'm more interested in the fact that 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 YouTube left it up. Now, speaking of social media, if you consider YouTube to be social media, people do broadcast themselves on YouTube. Just not always cutting their parental heads off. But no, they. Well, you saw them. all the all the big social media companies are on the hill right now, getting absolutely eviscerated. My goodness, the. The drubbing, the drubbing uh, of, of, uh, uh, of Zuckerberg, this was wild. So Zuckerberg, okay, Zuckerberg gets up. He gives an opening statement. Now, when you're, when you're testifying in Congress, let me just back up a second here. When you testify in Congress, you, you, usually you, you have an opportunity to give an opening statement. And everything you are, you're already sworn in, you're, you're, testifying under oath, but you're not answering a question. You're just giving your opening monologue. And that opening monologue is, okay, when you are a CEO of a, of a, of a multi-billion dollar company uh, and are yourself a billionaire, every word of that opening monologue is scripted. And typically these opening, almost always that I can think of, these opening monologues are read from a piece of paper because the lawyers 
preparing the witness have invested a tremendous amount of effort and energy to make sure that that statement is absolutely accurate and on message and doesn't open any potential pathways to uh, to further to, to to discrediting the witness. That's the that's that's the thing. So so this is the critical part of Zuckerberg's opening that I think may have gotten him a little bit in trouble. This happened earlier today. Mental health is a complex issue. And the existing body of scientific work has not shown a causal link between using social media and young people having worse mental health outcomes. A recent National Academies of Science report evaluated over 300 studies and found that research, quote, did not support the conclusion that social media causes changes in adolescent mental health at the population level, end quote. It also suggested that social media can provide significant positive benefits when young people use it to express themselves explore and connect with others. Still, we're going to continue to monitor the research and use it to inform our roadmap. Okay. So, what's the issue, right? You can tell where this is headed. The issue is, and every single person who is a parent today understands that children and social media do not mix. We all know it. We get it. We understand it. Our, you know, some of our kids maybe have, have been on social media a little bit and we've had to scale it back. In our household, we limit it uh, tremendously. I um, don't allow my, my, my 12 and my 13 and 10 year old girls to be on social media. Daniel has a little bit of Instagram, but isn't very active on it. His phone is locked up. My girls do not have smartphones and are very restricted on what they're able to do on their iPads. We do this in our household because I know absolutely this is a bad idea for kids, particularly girls. And I say this because as a, as a uh, girl dad, uh, seeing my girls and having one son and being able to kind of look at my friends and, uh, I, I, and, and the kids they have, I, girls are far more emotionally susceptible to the harm on social media because of all the comparing that girls do at this age and all, all of the social pressure that girls put on themselves that, that it's not just unique to girls, yes, but boys are different, okay? They are. Now, Josh Hawley, Republican Missouri senator, uh, goes, wait, wait, wait. You in your opening said there's no link between mental health and social media with teens, right? Kind of Kind of catching catching Zuckerberg's opening statement and, and, and going, what the heck? Did I hear you say in your opening statement that there's no link between mental health and social media use? Senator, what I said is I think it's important to look at the science. I know it's people widely talk about this as if that is something that's already been proven. And I think that the bulk of the scientific evidence does not support that. Well, really, let, let me just remind you of some of the science from your own company. Instagram studied the effect of your platform on teenagers. Let me just read you some quotes from the Wall Street Journal's report on this. Company researchers found that Instagram is harmful for a sizable percentage of teenagers, most notably teenage girls. Here's a quote from your own study. Quote, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. Here's another quote. Teens blamed Instagram, this is your study, for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression. This reaction was unprompted and consistent across all groups. That's your study. 
And his response to it is, uh, 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 that's not true. This isn't an, uh, it was awful. Now, notice how it's worded. I'm always, whenever lawyers write something, I'm always going to kind of so say that it's, you know, bodies of scientific work. They're going to argue that their internal study is not a, you know, scientific work, but no doubt they hired social scientists to conduct the study. They they hired people within their company, with ha- or not within their company, the company hired internally, right? Decided internally to hire a, a, a folks to come in and do the study, and they have some basis of, 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 I would assume, technical expertise. So I think, I think colorably, Zuckerberg perjured himself this morning on the Hill. Now, Holly continues here and asks this question. Wait a minute. Your own own study says that you make life worse for one in three teenage girls. You increase anxiety and depression. That's what it says. And you're here testifying to us in public that there's no link. You've been doing this for years. For years, you've been coming in public and testifying under oath that there's absolutely no link. Your product is wonderful. The science is nascent, full speed ahead. While internally, you know full well, your product is a disaster for teenagers. I'm really glad it's being talked about. I also like the fact that uh, that Zuck can squirm up there a little bit. Uh, got to take a quick break. But folks, listen, if you're parents, we got a lot to talk about here because this is interesting and it fascinates me. And um, and I think, you know, I have I have some thoughts, of course, on this too, where it intersects with politics. So, so stay tuned. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Welcome back. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. Grateful to be here. All right, my email, sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Email me questions, comments, concerns. I will certainly read them and um, and get back to you as quickly as I can or even answer your question on air. All right, by the way, here in Nevada, speaking of social media, our own Attorney General, A. Ron Ford, yes, it's uh, spelled Aaron, but uh, he pronounces it A. Ron. A. Ron Ford filed uh, civil lawsuits on Tuesday, yesterday, against five popular social media platforms. His allegations are that the algorithms they use have been designed to deliberately addict youth. So there's some law firms involved in this, uh, some of the usual suspects. Uh, but we've got, uh, let's see, civil action against TikTok, Snapchat, and three meta-owned platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Messenger. The allegations are that these algorithms are designed to addict young minds, have encouraged problematic internet use, caused harm to young people's mental health, etc., how are uh, how are if we don't have uh, Facebook uh, uh, seducing? I guess Facebook not really, but Meta, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, certainly TikTok. What well, if we don't have TikTok? How are the Chinese going to be able to influence our elections? 
how are they going to be able to corrupt our youth, right? The, the, the conversation that we've had here for some time is, you know, the, I, I see all of these, this insane content online on TikTok, and it's being served, for example, it's, it's being served very readily to kids. And so you've got the, you've got the groomers out there saying, ah, don't talk to your parents. Don't, you know, it's okay to cut your parents out of your life to go no contact and uh, do more of what I'm telling you to do and do less of what your parents are saying. Just one example, right? I always tell uh, my friends, I say, you know, if, if you've got kids uh, and you're not parenting them, somebody else will come along and give them guidance that they're not getting from you. And the internet, right? The internet is this great, incredible thing. But at the same time, it expands the opportunity for people from the outside that you don't even know, you don't even realize, enter into your home and speak directly to your kids. And not all of these people are coming in with, with good ideas or with, with help. And obviously there's a tremendous opportunity for abuse and other bad stuff to happen. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, I think the, well, you know, I, this lawsuit could, in Nevada could have some, could have some legs. Um, but I'll see, I, I got to read the full, uh, the full pleadings here and figure out what their arguments are. And I'll, I'll follow this closely. I promise you that. All right. Now, um, but look, I mean, what's going on in the Hill? Ted Cruz said um, today he's asking Zuckerberg, all right? He asks him because Zuck is up there, and he is – the minute that Hawley started going after him, Zuckerberg started to schwitz, okay? The guy was – started to melt down. So why have – he asked him about this – why have an option to see results, right? See results anyway. Searches for kids with all this kind of bad content out there. Let's listen to this exchange. Instagram also displayed the following warning screen to individuals who were searching for child abuse material. These results may contain images of child sexual abuse. And then you gave users two choices. Get resources or see results anyway. Mr. Zuckerberg, what the hell were you thinking? All right, Senator. Um, the, the, the basic science behind that is that when people are searching for something that is problematic, it's often helpful to, rather than just blocking it, to help direct them towards something that, um, that could be helpful for getting them to get help. In what, I also, understand get resources. In what sane universe is there a link for see results anyway? Well, because we might be wrong. Okay, so in fairness, he's he's right. I mean, some of this stuff gets flagged, you know. But if it's okay, if it gets flagged, I don't understand. Like, why are you allowing that search? Somebody's searching for sexual abuse pictures, and this content is available not just to adults but to kids. How 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 is how is even having that search result? A good idea. I mean, that content's illegal by law in, in, in the United States. We're not even talking about First Amendment protection here. It's just illegal content. 
This guy is such a slippery little eel. Unbelievable. And notice how he continues to say, Zuckerberg at every turn says, well, the science, the science. It's fascinating how the elites in this country tell us what is right and wrong based on the science. They're not able to have a gut value-based reaction or opinion of anything. They don't do that. They just say the science. By the way, a new study released on COVID and our so-called mitigation efforts. Eye-watering results. I'll talk to you about that. Plus, Chicago on the verge of revolution. Even the Democrats are fighting back. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Be uh, back here in a moment. Don't go anywhere. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Alan Stock just uh, sent me a text. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yes. Yes, this case is making national news. Uh, Sam Rajovsky here. Uh, you're listening to the What's Right Show. Yeah, Las Vegas judge in hot water after posting hot tub pic with public defenders. Uh, we covered it. We talked about it on Tuesday. Now it's it's hit Fox News. It's hit CNN. I think MSNBC's picked up the story. Yes, big, big, uh, big story. Well, yeah, this is a, a local judge here who is uh, I, not one of my favorite people. Erica Ballou put on her social media platform, uh, I think it was her Instagram actually, that uh, in a hot tub she's wearing a you know a bikini, which um, no, I'm gonna be nice going to be nice. It was nothing to look at. Okay. She's wearing a bikini. She's got, she's there with two lawyers, public defenders here in Las Vegas. I'm not going to name them. The, there's a guy and a gal. The guy is in the middle, flanked by these two uh, bikini-clad women. And uh, the caption of it uh, says his name uh, and that he's between a, a, a you know, has is surrounded by some nice uh, breasts, female breasts. Okay. It's worded a little bit differently, but this is a family program. Yeah, of course, because there's a photo. It all came from the, this, these are uh, charges that are being filed against her by the ethics, judicial ethics panel. So uh, it'll, I don't know where it will go, but it's, 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 a, it's a great, I always love when Vegas can become a national laughing stock. So thank you, Judge Erica Ballou, for giving us this opportunity to shine uh, uh, yeah, there it is. Okay, all right. Speaking of national disgraces, New York Post reporting in a uh, that a damning report was issued by Duke University professor Gavin Yami and Drexel University professor Anna Rue, which uh, said basically that the response to the pandemic. Um, led to keeping schools, it, was, it failed, right? It was a complete failure. We kept schools closed for longer than necessary, forced people to wear masks outside, and led to eye-wateringly high death rates compared to other first world nations. 
quote, the absence of timely evidence and delayed or incomplete communication of what was known also led to overreach, which itself had harmful consequences. Now, that's bullcrap. Yes, 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 people are celebrating this report and saying, yeah, finally somebody's coming out and saying, you know, some academics are coming along and confirming what we always knew. Well, yes and no, my friends, because look, it's, we knew that the schools were closed too long. We know that our kids missed out on socialization and education. We know that our kids didn't, you know, ended up being far sicker the following year, two, three years uh, because their immune systems hadn't had a chance to develop properly, you know, licking everything on the playground. We know all that. But the why is interesting because it's not, hold on a second, how do they put this? Failures began at the top with poor communication from the federal government. It's not poor communication from the federal government. You know, Trump was talking to us every day. He had Fauci up there communicating to us directly. He was the expert, Dr. Fauci. He had all the answers. No, the failure occurred, if we're going to talk about evident, you know, uh, incomplete communication, Delayed or incomplete, we had a, an, a, a basically a blackout on any competing information to that which was the official narrative. No challenge to the experts was allowed. Americans who spoke out were silenced. And the social media companies that Robbie feels, I'm going to, Robbie, I'm going to tell you this right now. We're, we haven't. I know you feel bad for Zuck a little bit up there. I get it because you're not a big government guy, right? You don't like to see government put its boot on a private company. I understand that. And you and I agree on that. But uh, I, I have no sympathy for, for Zuckerberg whatsoever. I'm, I'm loving that he is getting a little bit of heat. And you know why? Because this is the a money money hat that decided uh, to use his company to cooperate with the government with 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 uh, the the not uh, intelligence companies with the FBI created a portal for the Biden administration to be able to send links to posts that they felt were dangerous but really were were basically critical of, of, of Biden policy. And Facebook, led by Mark Zuckerberg, just ate it all up and said, oh, perfect, we'll take that down for you. We're going to cancel that person. We're going to deplatform people like Alex Berenson and others who were, uh, who were well-studied, who had reasoned arguments for why the response was not, not correct, and therefore prolonged the response of the pandemic because people couldn't know or hear a, a different opinion than that what Dr. Fauci and the Biden administration was putting out there. Because by the time we rolled into 2021, Trump wasn't president. It's Biden. And we should have been reopening fully. And we weren't. We were still stuck in the mud. So I'm pleased that this report came out. I, so much of what experts tell us is is bogus. Elizabeth, uh, who was a listener, uh, sent me an email uh, yesterday toward the end of the program, and it was right when I was talking about COVID. And I, I printed, Elizabeth, I printed up your email just 
kind of for fun because I, I did right away respond to you. By the way, you can email me, sam at sammanashlaw.com. I did respond to you, and, and Elizabeth sent me a, uh, she is a nurse, uh, and she sent me a breakdown here of something called the Tufts Food Compass. Okay, and this is another one of those expert studies funded by the NIH. And this is what Elizabeth writes. They lied about COVID, now they lie about nutrition. As a nurse, I am ashamed. Just look at the foods they are now suggesting are healthy. The new food pyramid. The NIH, right, that's Fauci's outfit, funded this $3 million. So what is, on the food compass score, what's the highest scoring thing? Watermelon. Is this some kind of a joke? Canned peaches, 97%. Cheerios, <laughs> uh, 95%. Do you know what comes in last at 26? Ground beef. Elizabeth, my response to you, by the way, I'm going to share it here with the audience. I said, I wonder if beef is at the very bottom because they've, they've, they believe that beef you know, raising cattle and cow farts are contributing to the depletion of the ozone layer and global warming. Sweet potato fries, 69. So Lucky Charms, okay, is at 60. This is an NIH study. There are people that you and I know that listen to everything that came out of the NIH like it was the gospel. They just said, oh, Anthony Fauci said this, so that's what we're going to do. Oh, the experts told me to do that, so that's what I'm... You've got to trust the experts, Sam. These same flipping experts are telling us that Lucky Charms has more than twice the food health score than ground beef. That's nuts. Egg fried in butter, 29%. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. This is, this, is, this is total nonsense. So yeah, Lucky Charms, healthier than whole milk, more than twice as healthy as beef, better for you than a baked potato or cooked green peas. There it is. Um, and that is why here on this program, when people tell me about the science, and I hear from Zuckerberg, whoa, whoa, I, you know, I know you're concerned. I get it. I get it. We have a program. We have, we have a platform here that Instagram that our own people have figured out is harmful for you. You know, but the science was trust the science. No, it's time that we start trusting our good old fashioned common sense. And it's time that we stop putting experts on pedestals. That is something we need to do as a society before we absolutely drive this uh, this country and this this uh, this nation of ours into a ditch. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840. Uh, when I come back, yes, I'm going to get, yeah, 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 Chicago. There's a revolution afoot. I've been telling you about this. I'm telling you this immigration thing is sending blue cities, Democrats, into an absolute tizzy. Let me explain, bring you some receipts and, ex and show you, I'll show you how it's 
actually happening. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show, powered by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Happy to be here as always. Um, yeah, so poll numbers, poll numbers, uh, some swing states not looking great for Biden. Let me tell you about this. Seven key swing states, six of which were won, supposedly, by Biden in 2020, are not looking good for the incumbent. Trump leads Biden in Arizona, 47 to 44, Georgia, 49 to 41, Michigan, 47 to 42. Even here in Nevada, 48 to 40%. North Carolina, by that's a pretty big, again, 49, 39. Pennsylvania, he's up by three points. And Wisconsin, he's up by five. Biden won six of those seven states over Trump, only losing North Carolina. So this is... You know, th- this is an interesting thing because, again, it's coming out uh, selectively. I saw Drudge Report uh, this morning, and I didn't click on the link because I and, and then it, it moved moved past it in the cycle. I don't think it's still up, and it was it was literally trying to claim the exact opposite that that you know that that Biden is leading Trump in all these different races across the country, and that you know that that Trump is lagging behind in the general. I. You know, I mean, Trump's going to lose California. We know that. He's going to lose New York. It's these states, essentially, comes down to maybe seven, maybe eight states that will make a difference, that will, that will decide who the president is. And Nevada's a key state. So, just pointing that out. Now, Illinois is not going to go uh, to Trump, uh, no chance. But I, I'm telling you, this immigration problem this immigration problem is a – this is an albatross around the Democrats' neck, and it's all – right now, by the way, Mayorkas's impeachment was greenlit by the House, so it's moving forward. Um, the, the House Homeland Security Committee advanced the impeachment, all right? So there will be a historic floor vote probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, well, anyway, House – Speaker Mike Johnson gave a speech today um, on the illegal immigration problem, and it all ties. Look, I'm 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 going to get to Chicago. Trust me, because for the first time, these big national big national issue is really coming home to roost in um, in some blue cities. So this is what Johnson said today. We've learned that the Biden administration is now simply just simply releasing 85 percent of the illegals who come across that border right into the country. They're coming to a neighborhood near you. For reference, by the way, if you're watching the metrics in 2013, the Obama administration, listen to this, the Obama administration detained 82 percent of illegal aliens. How do we go from detaining 82 percent to releasing 85 percent? It only happens if this is by design, it only happens if it's an orchestrated, intentional effort by the administration to do exactly that. And that is what the evidence shows. Yeah. In a recent Chicago City Council meeting, a Chicago alderman 
for one of the black areas of Chicago. This is a big-time Democrat stronghold, okay? He's, he gets up, he stands up, and he starts, I don't know, he starts sounding almost, dare I say it, like a Republican. Listen up. If you give me three meals, housing, child care, education, a voucher for $9,000, you know what? I come to Chicago too. And that's what they're doing. They're telling people and they're sending money back to Venezuela to come to Chicago because they're saying, hey, the good times are rolling there. They're taking care of everybody. Yeah, exactly. And so he continues saying, well, where else... How else could we spend all this money on our people? Where do we get off saying that we have to spend 30 to 40 million a month that we don't have? Now, now if you give me 30 to 40 million a month, my ward will look like the North Side. If you give any alderman on the South and West Side 30 to 40 million a month, you will see a different day. Man, this starting to sound like a, you know, like a MAGA rally over there in Chicago. <laughs> now, he does acknowledge the fact that he has a bleeding heart for these people, but almost as if this were straight out of the mouth of Donald Trump, he says, but not over our people. I have a bleeding heart for the people who are coming here that are honestly trying to do better for themselves. I'm with that. But I'm tell you one thing. I'm with my people more, okay? I'm with my people more. And so all I'm asking is to just put this question on the ballot, non-binding, in order to give the people of this city a voice that they have not had because nobody ever asked the city of Chicago, do we want to be a sanctuary city? Do we want to be a welcoming city? And I'm going to close on this. Sanctuary city, a welcoming ordinance, says nothing about we have to provide services and goods. Oh, it says nothing about having to provide these people with money? Well, that's a shock. I mean, Chicago declared itself a sanctuary city. I, I, they've had a track record of that, but it was all, they didn't realize it was going to actually cost the money to the detriment of their own citizenry. What is this? Is this called, Robbie, do we call this a Chicago first agenda? Yeah, well, okay. Uh, you know, my, my heart bleeds for these people. Those are trying to find a new beginning, whatever. But he goes, this guy goes, this, this, this is a Chicago councilman, alderman, right? He goes, but I'm with my people more, okay? Doesn't that sum up the candidacy of Donald Trump and Vivek Ramaswamy in a nutshell, Right? Yeah, we're we're all for everyone else, but you know we got to put the interests of the of of America first. Now this, this got to go back. You know that Raymond Lopez guy. He's another alderman, Democrat, first gay Democrat elected to the city council, uh, openly gay Democrat elected city council in Chicago, and he went on Fox News. I had to cover this when we come back from the break because he he went on Fox News and well. I mean, he, yeah, he, he laid it out, and he went after Mayorkas. See, there is a revolt going on right now, and if Joe Biden is the nominee, 
in November. If he is the guy on the ballot, if it's Biden v. Trump rematch, WWE style, this will be the biggest issue that voters will be thinking about when they go to the ballots. I don't know if it'll be enough to cost Joe Biden Chicago, but I'm telling you, a lot of these folks here who were reliable, and I would say asleep in a lot of ways, just asleep Democrat voters are awakening and are furious because their community centers, their schools, their housing has all been taken over by illegal immigrants that have no business being in this country whatsoever. So I'll play you the Lopez clip here when we come back. I mean, these people are, I'm telling you, when Democrats begin to sound like Republicans, my ears perk up. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Making radio great again. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. Happy to have you with us, my friends. All right. All right. Chicago, rising up against all of this illegal immigration flooding its city. Um, and, and it's coming from unlikely sources. I mentioned right before the break, there was one alderman that was railing about needing to put Chicago first. Citizens, legal citizens, residents of Chicago getting priority over the 30 to 40 million that they have to spend a month on all of the illegal immigrants. These people are getting $9,000 a month cash and they're showing up just to be able to send it back home to wherever they came from to their families. And this is a, a huge windfall. It is a drain. It is, it's wild. So here is um, Chicago Alderman Raymond Lopez. He is a, Democrat, and he is done with open borders. He's almost sounding like a Republican. Listen. Open border Democrats like my mayor and like our president are completely failing in this moment. Regardless of what the Secretary Mayorkas seems to not want to say, this is a crisis. We are seeing a border crisis that is now extending to the backyards of the city of Chicago and our neighboring suburbs. And we are literally inundated with now 29,000 individuals who up until recently were shipped here by bus. Now they're being flown here by private plane into other suburbs who are now importing them into our city. And it's simply not sustainable or acceptable that my fellow Democrats refuse to call out the president for not securing the border and putting an end to the charade all in the name of increasing immigration in our country. It's incorrigible that we've forgotten about the DACA kids who we promised to give a path to while opening the back door for all of these, not only South American migrant asylum seekers, but asylum seekers from all across the world who know that the border is open and using it to their fullest. Absolutely. Now, uh, I, I, not everybody, okay, in, in Chicago is, you know, is, is doing something about it or, or is fighting back against it. Their mayor, for example, instead of focused on immigration, held a press conference last week calling for a Gaza ceasefire. No, 
I'm not making this up. Do you support the the ceasefire resolution that's going to be? Well, as I said before, you know, from the very beginning, you know, the violence uh, that broke out um, several months ago, you know, I condemned the actions of of Hamas. Um, But at this point now, uh, I believe we're looking at 25,000 Palestinians that have been killed um, during this this war and uh, the killing has to stop. So. Yes, we need to cease fire. Okay, great. That's thank you for your input, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson. Now, I think there's a little music bed to this. Could not find a cleaner clip, but here is a Chicago resident last month at Chicago City Hall railing against all of this. Listen. We're not going to continue to stand for this. We're not going to continue to allow our state representatives, our congressmen, our aldermen, and our mayor to let us know that we don't matter. It's going to be a great day in the city of Chicago when a Democratic convention comes here and then they found out in March that a lot of black voters took Republican ballots. Oh, interesting, huh? Chicago resident Mark Carter, Republicans, Trump should come meet with us. Listen. These are our children and they will not be targeted while you take and make a better life for a new group that just walked into this country yesterday. $9,000 a month for these people. You know how hard it is? We're not going to stand down and we ask that the Republican Party come and sit down and have a meet with us. Yeah. Yeah. Come have a meet with us. We all are against mass immigration. Let's have a meet. Let's have a meet with the Republican Party. If Trump want to come to town, come and meet with us. Come have a meet with us, Trump. Yeah, this is this is epic. And I I I submit, by the way, that the schism uh, with the Democratic Party actually began in the summer of 2020 when they were so determined to get Trump out of office that they really pulled down all the stops from COVID to the BLM riots, okay, to uh, just all of the insanity that they unleashed. I mean, by the way, that one alderman, Lopez, the guy who was talking to Fox News saying that Mayorkas and and Biden are, are disgraceful, he was the same alderman who was trying to get Chicago police to prep for the riots that were happening back in June of 2020. He had a phone call set up with Lori Lightfoot, who was the Beetlejuice mayor of Chicago at the time. I think we had to bleep out a few words. Here is what transpired in that call, a little flashback from uh, four years ago. What are we going to do and what do we tell our residents other than good faith people stand up? It's not going to be enough. Thank you, Alderman. Next question. Well, no, I want an answer. I that. You commented on everybody. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. This is a question that I have. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I say. (laughs) And he then tells her to go F herself. Um, All right. uh, Right. When the ideology put into effect and is operationalized to its full extent starts to cause a massive deterioration of quality of life that is manifestly obvious for everybody to see, that's when even diehard leftists begin to turn on the system. It's going to take time, but it didn't start today. 
The pushback started three, four years ago. The pushback was, it, it was slight. It was not too loud. It popped up here and there, and it's growing as we speak. Now, Biden, uh, yesterday in front of Marine One, is boarding the helicopter. Reporter says, you know, what are you going to do to solve the problems? Uh, you know, you've got executive authority. Reporter basically says, you've got executive authority. What, what can you do? And Biden, uh, this is, well, this is the exchange. Biden seems to think he's kind of powerless. With executive authority, or is there more you could do? Absolutely. Not all I can do. Just give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got in office. Give me the borders patrol. Give me the people. Give me the people the judges. Give me the people who can stop this and make it worth lasting. Okay, I don't understand the end part. Worth lasting? What is make it worth lasting? Trump did. Trump slowed migration significantly with opposition from Congress, with with gross opposition from every Democrat in Congress, and frankly. Uh, quite a few Republicans, including former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. So this is, Biden's lying through his teeth. He's making this up. Executive, he has the power to do this. It is an agency-controlled situation. The Republicans have given him more funding for more agents. This is a problem he has created, and he's created it deliberately, and this is all part of his plan. Yesterday, Representative Dan, Dan Bishop from North Carolina recapped the f- about three years or so of Mayorkas' uh, tenure and his impeachment hearing, uh, kind of going through it. And, and, and listen, this is, uh, this is worth We've been saying to. the same thing this entire administration from the beginning from January 2021, when the president disposed of multiple policies at the border that had been the most successful in history for containing illegal immigration, rejected them wholesale. And ever since, members of this committee on the other side have been trumpeting how successful this has been. It's been great. There's not a problem at the border. 32 statements by the Secretary of Homeland Security asserting that the border is secure, and that we have operational control of the border. Until suddenly, Mr. Goldman says, and others have said it here today, it's not tenable. Maybe it was because Eric Adams from New York said, you're destroying New York City. Maybe it's because the mayor of Chicago said, you got to send us more money. We're in crisis over here. Or Denver, or any of a number of other Democrat-run cities. That's the news. And this is why I've maintained from the beginning that the best Republican policy to fight Democrats on this issue is to bring the problem to them. Because sometimes having to be slapped in the face with the consequences of your stupidity is what it takes to snap out of it. That's why, listen, this is why, right? Biden and and his whole team hate, and I mean hate, Greg Abbott in Texas. They despise Governor Abbott because Abbott has shown Biden up and has destroyed his credibility within the Democratic Party. So he's, he's this, this has been a brilliant strategy from, from go. And if you want concrete examples of what the Biden administration did 
Again, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, today on the House floor, laid it out. I released a memo documenting 64, 64 specific actions that the Biden administration has taken to undermine our border security and to promote the mass release of illegals and dangerous persons into our country. And here's just a, a couple of the many alarming actions, and this is all public, everybody can go see this. The day he took office, the very first day that he walked into the Oval Office, President Biden revoked Executive Order 9844. You know what that did? It ended construction of the border wall that Congress had already paid for. Everybody's seen the images on TV, the materials out there rotting in the sun and the, and the, the elements. Why? Because Joe Biden decided unilaterally he didn't want a wall. In February 2021, the, the administration stopped applying Title 42 expulsions to children and incentivized, by doing that, incentivized families to send unaccompanied children through Mexico under the watch of who? Cartels and traffickers. That's it, right? We gotta keep bringing it home to, to, to all of these cities, to all these constituencies that for years have been saying, you got to be compassionate. You got to be compassionate. I don't think you heard those people in Chicago. You heard them. These are Democrats. I don't think the whole Trump put kids in cages is really going to get the same kind of umph that it did, you know, six years ago, seven years ago. I think it's I think it's all going to be empty. They're really going to have to find something else to hit him with. All of this great news and the reason why Trump is soaring in the polls. Sam Urjowski here. Quick break. The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law will continue after this. Hi, welcome back. Sam Urjowski here, your host of the What's Right Show. Fanny Willis. Sorry, Fonny Willis. What's up with all these people with their funny name spellings, uh, pronunciations? A. Ron Ford, Fonny Willis. Can't keep these Democrat law enforcement uh, people uh, organized with their names. Okay, Fonny Willis apparently now is being accused of firing a whistleblower for misusing... Uh, well, she was reporting that somebody in Fonnie Willis's office was was misusing federal funds. This this is a new development, right? This is hot off the presses today. When she was just one year into her tenure as the Fulton County DA, around 2021, uh, Fonnie Willis met with an employee named Amanda Timpson. She was an employee at the district attorney's office, her responsibilities were somewhere in the arena of working with nonviolent juvenile offenders. Uh, it was an alternatives to the juvenile court system. So I presume that program had some form of federal grant money uh, available for it. So this, the grant was a youth gang prevention initiative. But there was a senior staffer in the office, Michael Cuffey. I gotta look this guy up, Robbie. Is he is he good looking? Maybe Fonnie Willis. Well, not gonna say it, but uh, anyway, apparently, according to Amanda Timpson, the you know this particular aide, Michael Cuffey, allegedly planned to use part of the almost half a million dollar federal grant to pay for swag, computers, and travel. Swag is you know a word for. Shirts, you know, and, and tchotchkes and different things that 
you know, you, I, you know, whatever stuff. And the lady can be heard on the tape saying, hey, Amanda person, hey, you can't do this. It's a violation of the law. You really can't do this. Um, and uh, it's, look, here, here's the tape. Listen. He wanted to do things with grants that were impossible. And I kept telling him, like, we can't do that. And questioning stuff, he would take me off projects, tell people I wasn't doing what I was supposed to because I questioned him. Because I understood, I helped write that grant. I knew what was in that grant. He told everybody in front of Crystal, Deontay, everybody, we're gonna get MacBooks, we're gonna do that, we're gonna get swag, we're gonna use it for travel. I said, you cannot do that. It's a very, very specific grant. He took me off. Puffy, and this is my personal opinion to one woman to another, is dangerous to your administration. He tells people, when I reached out to you, he told me, oh, um, you think your word is safe? Um, exactly when you reached out to Miss uh, Willis, she called me and told me. She told me everything. So once you reach out to her, she's going to reach up back out to me. So I didn't even go to HR. Okay, and he put Dexter's okay. name on my PDP, and I didn't even feel safe going to anybody. Oh. You know, this is... Now, the lady got fired, okay? So uh, Fani Willis decided to fire this person who's reporting this. It's a huge problem if some of these factual allegations that she's making are, in fact, true. My gosh. It turns out that Fonnie Willis, the much-celebrated DA, went out there as the this was the case that was going to get Trump. She was the person who had all the her ducks in a row. She was meticulous. She was careful. She wasn't rushing in. She was doing everything right. Turns out that that person that not that long ago was being celebrated by every person in the mainstream media has a real problem on her hands. This is where the prosecutor ends up becoming the prosecuted, okay? The tables are turning. Now, Cuffey, for his part, the one accused of uh, trying to use grant money for some stuff that was not appropriate, said this is just a money grab for Amanda Timpson. He left Willis's office in December of 2021 for personal reasons and that she could do what she needs to do. In July 2021, Timpson, Amanda, who you heard from on that tape, was reporting this alleged financial abuse and fraud to Fonnie Willis discovered that several out-of-state students were participating in a federally funded program for middle schoolers. And apparently the Free Bacon has confirmed that a public school student from Wisconsin attended this program. As part of the funding for this program, apparently some of the funds, well, allegedly according to Amanda Timpson, were misused. Amanda Timpson said, I wanted to make sure she knew because I didn't want any scandal to be related to her. She went to, you can hear it, she went to Fonnie Willis to protect her. And then got immediately cut off in the middle of her sentence and then demoted. So then when she went back a second time, she recorded the conversation. Much of the same thing occurred, all right? I knew it was me against the entire office. If I didn't get any hard evidence about what I was saying, everyone is just going to write me off. 
And now with Fonnie Willis deliberately putting herself in national headlines for going after Trump, thinking that it gives her some kind of, you know, I don't, I don't know, Teflon immunity. Because if you go after Trump, you get all the accolades, the media circles their wagons and protects you, etc. She thought that her, you know, what's the expression? That her stuff doesn't stink. Well, it stinks and it's rotting and every day there's new stuff that comes out. By the way, her alleged boyfriend, uh, what is his name, Nathan Wade, the guy who was a lawyer hired uh, by Fonnie Willis, paid his firm $650,000 of taxpayer money to work on the Trump case. Turns out a lot of that money was used to fund their alleged affair. That guy has settled with his ex-wife. Funny how that settlement happens. Uh, she's been trying to work on it for, whatever, a year? And all of a sudden puts some stuff out there in the media and starts to create problems for Fonnie Willis and presto, she's got herself a settlement. By the way, as a lawyer, let me explain that to you. It's called maximum pressure. It's not always about the law. It's about figuring out how you're going to go after your opponent and screw them. You got to do it. That's what she did. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Good for her. I hope she got a good settlement. And I hope that the truth of this stinky, janky operation continues to be told. Fonnie Willis belongs in jail. Funny enough, Trump may skate on everything and Fonnie may be the one with her fanny in the fire. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840. Thank you for listening. Sam at samandashlaw.com is my email. I'll see you here tomorrow, folks.